This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Carvertize. Last fall, when Visit Lake Charles wanted to target Austin, Texas with its culinary travel campaign, it used a secret ingredient. It was a fleet of ride-sharing vehicles covered with tantalizing images of Lake Charles. When those cars cruised the streets of Austin, Lake Charles saw an 85% increase in web visitors from the Austin area and an 8% bump in overnight and restaurant sales year over year. Carvertize has helped hundreds of national brands and DMOs extend their messaging to where people live through a fleet of over a half a million wrapped Uber and Lyft cars. And you can send those cars to this summer's biggest events, malls, sporting events in your key markets. Place your brand and your message front and center this summer with Carvertize. Check out the video at carvertize.com brands and look for them at the annual convention of Destinations International, July 18 through 20 in Dallas, Texas. And now it's on to our show. George Franz is the Senior Vice President of Tourism and Industry Relations for Houston First Corporation. As a 20 plus year veteran with the Houston First Corporation, George oversees three departments, the Tourism Department, the Houston Film Commission, and the Event Services Department. The Tourism Department is responsible for promoting and selling Houston as a leisure destination to the travel trade industry in both domestic and international markets with various initiatives designed to help promote Houston to potential visitors like the Houston Marketplace, the Houston Insider Program, and Around Houston, a partnership with 14 destination marketing organizations near Houston. The Houston Film Commission markets and promotes the greater Houston area to producers, production executives, and independent filmmakers as a film, TV, media production destination. And lastly, he oversees the Event Services Department, which provides innovative ideas, strategies, and professional expertise in planning and executing the company's special events. George most recently served as president of the Greater Houston Convention and Visitors Bureau, where he oversaw operations of the organization, as well as interaction and value delivery for the 820 members of the organization. During his tenure, he led the transition and rebrand of the organization to the Houston Hospitality Alliance, the largest association of hospitality professionals in Houston. Born in Santiago, Chile, George has also lived in Venezuela, Spain, and of course here in America. He has personally represented Houston worldwide, working closely with multiple Houston mayors to attract visitors to Houston. He and his wife, Holly, share a beautiful nine-year-old son named Ethan. George Franz, welcome to DMOU. Thank you, Bill. Great to be here. And absolutely an honor to have you on board. Uh, We got to know each other at... Ica. That's right. Yeah, right before the pandemic and uh, shared a meal together. And I was just really engaged with uh, the direction and the vision that you had going forward. And then we reconnected just a few months ago at a TACVB strategic planning session. And I was taken by your explanation of the breadth of what Houston First is. Mm. And so Eight years ago, the Houston CVB was folded into an organization called Houston First. 
which really was managing a number of community assets like the convention center, theaters, parking. I mean, it was managing assets. And while the move was initially considered wrongheaded by a lot of us outside of Houston, there actually were some synergies that were realized over the next few years. So tell us about those first few years and the advantages that the former CVB, the DMO, actually discovered. Well, uh, yeah, no, it's been a while. You're absolutely right. It was an interesting time when that came around. You know, Houston first actually, not known to everybody, became the actual destination marketing organization for the city at that time in 2014. And what happened, Bill, was that there was a, a partnership struck between the Houston First Corporation and, of course, the CVB at that time, where we would continue to send leads to the members of the CVB, okay? Mm -hmm. And we would work with them. But in the meantime, the city decided to offload essentially a, a whole department of the city, which managed assets like the convention center, the theaters in downtown Houston, parking and so forth, and created what is known in Texas as a local government corporation, which is what Houston First Corporation is, Okay. The hotel occupancy tax then is given to Houston First Corporation uh, and then distributed to various partners around the city. So it became this very large organization. And the idea behind it was to create synergies in a variety of areas. So, for example, one thing before we combined our two organizations, you know, you had one sales team over at the Convention and Visitors Bureau and you had another sales team over at uh, the Convention Center. And they were often in conflict with each other. Yeah. And so, okay, let, let's work together. Let's have one sales team and let's all sell the city. These assets that the city was managing before were generating revenue, right? And uh, one of the assets that the city actually manages in Houston, which, which is an interesting part of this, is that they own and now Houston First owns the largest hotel in the city, which is the Hilton Americas Hotel. We own it and Hilton manages it. So there was these other various forms of revenue that would come into play all of a sudden, which would allow us to compete on a much higher level than we had had we'd only been taking the 20 or so percent of hotel occupancy tax that we used to receive when we were the CBB, right? So all of a sudden we had assets that were generating revenue like the Hilton. We were getting parking revenue because we, we manage about 10,000 parking spots in downtown Houston. We also uh, receive revenue from uh, food and beverage the, at the convention center. And then, of course, the actual hotel occupancy tax. And that is what makes a local government corporation unique. It is an organization that can handle public dollars as well as private dollars, mm -hmm. right? And so thus began the adventure that is Houston First Corporation in partnership with the CVB. Okay, so the CVB is essentially a division of Houston first. Essentially. And yet, as you said, there is this yin and yang of what a lot of people assume a convention and visitor bureau does, which is sell the convention assets of a city. That's correct. And you said there was some friction. There was. So the friction existed before the combination of the two. How did it change once you were all in kind of one ecosystem? Well, first of all, you, you immediately had one sales team, 
right? You had one marketing team because there was also people that were working in marketing at Houston first, and there was, you know, people that were working in marketing and CAB. So all of that became one team that started to, uh, to work together. On the convention sales side, there were two disconnected groups making decisions on pricing, bookings, et cetera. So that all got streamlined under one roof. And maintaining one organization meant greater share of our local hotel occupancy tax was going to go towards DMO activities and promoting the region domestically and internationally. Right. Yep. So there were some immediate advantages to the two groups coming together, which really started to work in our favor. To give you an example, at the time I was managing... As you know, Bill, we, you know, I was managing international sales and I was doing tourism promotion, right? Well, almost overnight, when Houston First comes in, I saw a 300% increase in budget to do international sales and tourism, okay? Which is why you started to see Houston all of a sudden really get into that international convention sales aspect and then getting into what is tourism promotion? So the question is, when a destination marketing organization and a convention center underneath Houston First come together, there's a pecking order, if you will. And I think a lot of people decide that the convention center is at the top of that pecking order and the DMO is a supporting asset. And the concern is that the CVB needs to be not only selling the convention center, but also its convention hotels that are scattered throughout the region. How did you bridge that issue of a fear of your convention properties, your hotels, that the CVB now was all about the convention center. That got solved very quickly, actually, uh, because everyone was very conscious of that. The hotel community was extremely vocal about that. We also have a second convention center in Houston that is not owned by Houston First. And so that was a particular concern at the time. And so there was actually two teams built, uh, put together by our friend, John Solis, that we both know in the department. One that would handle uh, citywide convention business and would be able to sell the convention center and citywide ah, business, okay. right? Yep. And then the second team would essentially focus on what we call in-house business or just one hotel piece of business. Right. And that has proven an extremely successful model yep. because each of those has very specific goals and, and responsibilities. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So the CVB in the past year here has changed mission, has changed name, and essentially spun off from Houston first. So tell us about how that evolution happened over the past year. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I find myself in kind of a tough spot, Bill. I, <laughs> you know, once the pandemic hit, I was handling mostly international uh, tourism and, uh, you know, that dried up pretty quickly. So, you know, in conversation with our CEO, he basically said, let's figure out what's going to happen next because we were faced with a bit of a dilemma, right? We're in partnership with the Convention and Visitors Bureau. We're working with their membership. However, Houston First is a public entity, right? It's a local government corporation. Right. And there's this organization that we're partnering with that's called the CVB, but is not the DMO. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Right. That's an issue, right? And so, yeah. Uh, and even here in Houston, it was uh, an issue. So, how do we take this great membership? Because the CVB retained the membership. And one other thing that I have to clarify is that we were all employees of, of Houston First starting in 2014. So, so we essentially yeah. moved from the CVB and became employees of Houston First. The CVB stayed there and retained the membership, right? So we at Houston First continued to work with the membership and it was great and so forth. But again, you still had this, this organization with a name out there that was not necessarily reflecting what it did, right? So when we started this process two years ago, it was how do we take this organization, which has an incredibly powerful membership that is, you know, like any other membership in, in the country and make it into something that is that is useful. So when I was tasked with, I, I basically said, all right, well, international's dried up. Right. Uh, the chairman of the board and Michael said, okay, well, we, we'd like to name you president of the Convention and Visitors Bureau. And I agreed and we, we went forward and I started working with the board of the Convention and Visitors Bureau to decide a new future for the organization. Yeah. And there's no right. question, you know, it's unusual, right? I mean, usually what is the stakeholders in our industry are pretty connected to the DMO. So yeah. we were proposing, okay, how do we do that when we're not necessarily going to be separate? And one of the things that we realized was that, that there really was no advocacy organization that covered the entirety of what is the hospitality industry in Houston right? We have a hotel lodging association, we have a restaurant association. But when we looked at the membership, that was only a quarter of what made up the membership of the CVB, right? You have all kinds of other organizations mm -hmm. that are looking for a voice. You know, we looked at, at other models, especially the Texas Travel Alliance here in Texas, the U.S. Travel Alliance trying to see, okay, how do we mirror that? I actually consulted with, with Roger Dow at the time, consulted mm -hmm. Erica Boyd, who is, who is in charge of the Texas Travel Alliance. And, and everyone agreed that there would be something very powerful about a city establishing its own association of hospitality professionals. Mm. There's not a lot of those, right. but they do exist. There's not a lot. But we had 820. And at 820, yeah, that's huge. we became one of the largest very quickly, right? Overnight. Yeah. And so that's the direction we decided to head in. It took a minute, but the organization said, okay, what's the value going to be and so forth. And there was a lot of requests, especially from smaller organizations. You know, Houston is really still trying to develop itself as a, as a destination. And there was a lot of, okay, a lot of the members are small transportation companies. A lot of the members are you know, smaller uh, mom and pop owned businesses that are trying to develop product in Houston and so forth. How do we get them expertise? How do we get them training? So professional development became a topic. Education became a topic. And of course, because of the pandemic and so forth, networking was also a big part of it, right? So what we ended up doing was uh, not only creating a, a, that advocacy, but it, the four pillars became advocacy, networking, and then professional development and education. And to tie it all up nicely, we struck a deal with the Texas Travel Alliance, which is the, the association for the state of Texas and a, and a quite good one. Mm -hmm. Right. And came to a deal where essentially every member of the Houston Hospitality Alliance would become a member of the Texas Travel Alliance through a deal we struck with, with Erica Boyd at the Texas Travel Alliance. And that's, that's where it stands today. Cool.
So the CVB becomes the Houston Hospitality Alliance. That's right. Houston First continues to be the destination marketing and leadership organization. That's correct. So now you've got HHA doing good work out there. Talk to us a little bit about how that frees you as Houston First to be the DMO that you want to be. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, there's there's no question that um, Houston First now post-pandemic and so forth is in a position to really take on an, a really strong leadership position, right? And so I see an amazing opportunity now to start developing the destination, right? Houston is 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 the fourth largest city in the United States, and, and it's New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, right? Yeah. But it, there's still some areas where we can do better. And I will tell you that, especially in the in terms of product development for leisure visitors, um, that is an area that you're going to start seeing me and you know my department focus on a lot more as an organization. You you mentioned some of this at the beginning of of, of the show, but we've already started on some of these initiatives, right? One of them is is you know how do we create product that can be sold direct to consumer. One of the beauties of Houston First, and I love this, right, is like we can we can behave like a private sector company. So I one of the things we created right before the pandemic was the the, the Houston Marketplace, which we did in conjunction with Band Wango, which has done so well mm-hmm. over the years. That's great. And we started to sell experiences direct to consumers. And we we own that. It's all ours, right? And and it's because really a lot of private sector companies really hadn't thought about Houston as a leisure destination. And when we started looking at it, uh, you know, our first idea was, okay, well, how do we get Space Center Houston tickets and Museum of Natural Science tickets and, you know, uh, Museum of Fine Arts into the consumer's hands and then use the marketing dollars we have so that we can get consumers to, to purchase that, to create new visitors to those attractions in Houston. Uh, and it was very successful. I mean, we were very lucky. Our first year, we were hoping to sell 500 of those experiences, and we ended up selling more than 5,000 uh, the first year. Wow. And, you know, I, I had some great people. I know you know some of them. I mean, Maureen Haley worked uh, for me and, and really pioneered this this whole uh, uh, process. And she basically came to me one day and said, hey, why don't we start creating actual product that no one else has? You know, so, for example, every major city around the world has a museum pass. Uh, but Houston, for whatever reason, doesn't. Private sector companies hadn't developed that. And so we we created the first yep. ever Houston Museum Pass, right? And you can you can buy that right now at visithouston.com. And incredibly successful, especially now that we're coming out of the pandemic. We also created the first ever brew pass for Houston. You can actually go and buy a one, three, or a 30-day pass to get into see the breweries or in the museums and so forth. And it has sold astoundingly well. In fact, it's our top seller right now with people both in the city and outside the city. So we're going to continue to focus on that delivery mechanism of the destination as a leisure destination. And the reason that I feel very strongly about that comes from this deep-seated fear that I've had in in my job since I started at the CVB 20 years ago mm-hmm. is that CVBs and, and, and DMOs in general, so let's call them DMOs, have been so focused on convention business for so long. That's the model, right? You you book yeah. 
thousand room nights and it's got this much economic impact. But what what's what's bugged me over the years is that tourism is kind of the secondary conversation. It's like yeah, leisure, you know, we really can't control that. And and to me, the beauty of Houston first is that you you kind of can, right? And I think a lot of destinations, of course, are looking at this now. But in, in our case, it was we're the experts on the destinations. We know what there is to do, how to do it, how to create the itineraries and how to put it in front of a consumer. Let's get into that space, right? That's what makes sense. Yeah. And so that's where I want to go with it. And so far, I've been having a lot of fun at, with it. Yeah, and I can't agree more with you because, yeah, conventions are easy to quantify and say, I did that. Leisure, on the other hand, you can fill the whole town and it's really hard to prove you did. And yet, yeah. I think that leisure probably has a bigger impact on our community than conventions do. So I, I totally agree with you. Let me ask you this though. HHA has you know, moved out, is doing its thing, its advocacy, its education, but do they also have a role in destination development as far as asset development or supporting those things? You know, it got talked about, and it's one of those things where it it, it might in the future. Uh, I think in, uh, here at the beginning, okay. the focus was much more on advocacy. But, I mean, for the time being, right. you know, as the DMO, we see ourselves firmly in that, in that spot. But as you really start to think about it and, and you take a look at all of the organizations that are out there in the universe, yeah. you know, you could definitely see a place where that would happen. And I think that door was, was left open. Okay. Well, I got to tell you, I love the fact that you've taken something that most of us on the outside looking in, what, eight, 10 years ago went, yeah. <laughs> you've made it, made it work so perfectly. And I love the fact that you've spun off HHA and now you have that 800 plus membership juggernaut that is there, that is both taking advantage of the education, but being an advocate for the industry in Houston. I, I think it's just beautiful. But let's go to your bonus round question. So we've heard a number of Genesis stories on how our guests have found their way into the destination management and leadership field. Yours, you say, is tied to your fluency in Spanish. So how did you get into this industry? Oh man, that's a, it's a bit of a long story, but bear with me. Right. And oh, I, no, and no, no. That, that's why we're here, man. <laughs> I have to go backwards a little bit because I majored in, in mass communications at, at the university of Houston and I, and the second I got out, I got an internship at a company called TCI cable, which is uh, quite possibly the worst cable company that ever. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Uh, mine is, but that's okay. No, don't worry. Everybody says the same thing. So <laughs> So we go and I'll never forget it because I was working at TCI Cable and, you know, my my dream back then was I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be a, a news broadcaster and all that stuff. And uh, one day the general manager of the TCI Cable walks into my office and I was working late. It was like eight o'clock at night and he came in and he did something that at that time here in Texas, a lot of people did. He came to my office and he said, Jorge, 
uh, do you speak Spanish? And I said, it's, it's Jorge, or you can call me George, uh, whatever. But yes, I do speak Spanish. And he said, would you be willing to speak Spanish in front of a television camera? I said, absolutely. <laughs> I was yeah. born for that. I was made for that. I went to- I've been waiting. <laughs> right? Where you been? And so he says to me, great, because Univision is coming over and they want to do an interview with me, but they refuse to do it. In English, they said, I have to do it in Spanish, so I need to put you in front of the camera. And I, I was so excited, I didn't even ask what the question was until about 20 minutes later. And I said, hey, what, what are they coming to talk about? And he said, uh, well, they want to know why we're upgrading neighborhoods that are predominantly white to digital cable before the Hispanic neighborhoods in Houston. Oh, and all of a sudden, all of my glee went away, and I, I said, okay, well, um, why is that? And he said, well, dude, they pay more. And I, and I said, well, we can't say that on TV, man. You know, uh, no. there must be a reason. <laughs> and so he comes back, and he, and he puts me in a room with all the engineers and, and says, and, and we realize, okay, no, it's, um, it, it, they really, these are the predominantly, the, the most affluent neighborhoods and so forth. But the second and third round were going to be predominantly Hispanic neighborhoods. So we decided to, to focus on that. Like the next two are Houston's largest Hispanic neighborhoods. Yeah. And so I'm terrified. And all of a sudden the Univision truck pulls out and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to spin this? Make the company look good. And out of the truck comes out a graduate of the mass communications program from the University of Houston. And her name was Margarita Grillo. And she was a dear friend of mine at the time. And I had no idea that she had become a reporter. And she walks out of the truck and she comes to me and she says, George, thank God it's you, ma'am. I have no idea what to ask you even. I don't even know why I was sent here. (laughs) And I said, Margarita, don't worry. I'm going to walk you right through this whole thing, right? And so that turned into a great interview, which ended up becoming a, a, a thing because I got offered almost within weeks a position as the Hispanic market spokesperson for the company. Well, then Time Warner bought TCI Cable, and I got to do some really cool stuff launching you know, Spanish language networks in Houston and you know, not only being the, the, the on-market representative, but also becoming a bit of a, of a community figure here in Houston. And, and fast forward to five years later, and that is why one day I get a phone call from the, you know, uh, general manager of the CVB in Houston that is saying, hey, George, we've been seeing the stuff you're doing on, on TV, and we need somebody to represent Houston and Mexico. Yeah. And I just didn't even understand that concept. That was like, right. wait a minute, what? Like the whole city, like, you know, and, and I was so dumb to the whole concept that I, I, you know, I interviewed and it went really well. And the general manager said, you know what? I like you. I'd like to offer you the job. You're the first person I've interviewed, but I want to offer you the job. And I was, I was so dumb that I, I said, and, and wait, but y'all pay for the travel to go to Mexico, right? Y'all do that. And she was like, yeah, yeah, dude, we do, we do. And I said, yeah, yeah, no, I'll take it. And 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 what was fantastic about it, Bill, and now that I look back on it, I mean, it's been 20 plus years, you know, the next thing she said was, was insane. She said, would you by any chance be able to go to IPW in Orlando at that time, right. International Power Wow, tomorrow? 
Yeah. And so my first day on the job was in Orlando at IPW. And I went in talking to the media on day one. And I showed up in this trade show and I could not believe what I had stepped into. As I am one day away from going to IPW now, <laughs> uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy because it's been an adventure like yeah. no other, man. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. But the fact that you were already in love with your community and then you're placed on the international stage. I mean, wow. What an amazing story. That's cool. It was crazy. And, and you know what's crazy? Yeah. Like I've never gotten bored with it, Bill. You know, I had the opportunity no. to work with the Houston airports. We never do. And get to work on launching new flights, getting into international business. It's There's no business like this one. No, it's the best. Hey, George, thank you for all you do for our industry and your work to establish TACVB as a powerful professional development force in not just Texas, but the region as well. It's been a blast getting to know you over the past few years, and thank you for all you do. Same here, Bill. Thank you for the opportunity, and uh, hopefully we'll see each other soon. Yeah, well, I will definitely see each other in Dallas, right? There you go. I'll see you there. There we go. Hey, thanks to this episode sponsor, our friends at Carvertize. Last fall when Visit Lake Charles wanted to target Austin, Texas, with its culinary travel campaign, it used a secret ingredient, a fleet of ride-sharing vehicles covered with tantalizing images of Lake Charles. And while those cars cruised the streets, Lake Charles saw an amazing bump in web visitors from the Austin area and an 8% bump in overnight and restaurant sales year over year. Carvertize has helped hundreds of national brands and DMOs extend their message to where people live through a fleet of over a half a million wrapped Uber and Lyft cars. Check out the video at carvertize.com brands and look for them at the annual convention at Destinations International in Dallas, Texas, July 18, 19, and 20. DMOpros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to the past editions of the Z News, our blog, our homepage, position papers, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as links to earlier episodes of over 100 episodes of DMOU. That's dmopros.com with a Z. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time. Mm -hmm.